Cheese. Recorded live. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You can run and tell your friends that I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. Let's believe I understand. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You can run and tell my city I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. Yeah, signature. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Virtual Talk Show produced by Married Men Don't Talk, the talk show with the top-selling book and an app for your Android smartphones. We come your way every Tuesday night from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but you can get more info about this show by visiting our new and improved website, householdstress.com. Listeners can participate in one of our live weekly talk shows by calling in or logging on to HouseholdStress.com from your personal computer as an anonymous guest. Phone lines are open right now, but this show is strictly for men only, so call into the hottest talk show in the world. Now, we have a couple of rules, and they are absolutely no profanity and no politics, and more importantly, no racial stuff. This show is apolitical and race neutral so that we can make sure that any man can feel comfortable on our show. And furthermore, fellas, this ain't Bible study. We want you to just be able to come to our show as a man, and that is it. This virtual talk show always presents the hottest topics for discussion, and tonight is no different. Tonight's topic is Marriage 911. My name is Rodney, and I'll be your pilot for the evening. I've got a lot of material, and the hope is that I can get this plane off the ground and ultimately land on a safe conclusion. This is a fluid conversation, so if you do have something to say, please feel free to do so, or if you just prefer to listen, that's absolutely fine as well. But please try to hang on until the end, because you'll definitely want to hear the conclusion to this episode. All right, with all of that said, let's get started. In May of 2002... The first divorce directly related to the September 11th terrorist attacks was filed in a New York City court. It appears that a guy with an office on the 103rd floor of the World Trade Center left home for work on Tuesday, September 11th. When he got to Manhattan, he decided to spend the morning at his girlfriend's apartment in the village instead. When he got to her place, he turned off all the phones, the TV, and the radio and spent the entire morning getting it in. At about 11 a.m., while still at her place, he turned his cell phone back on to retrieve his messages. Just as he was turning it back on, the phone rang. His wife was on the other end of the phone crying and screaming at him. I've been trying to call you for over two hours. I've been worried sick about you. Are you okay? He answered calmly and said he was fine. His wife then asked, where are you? The guy said, where do you think I am? I'm in my office. A little dark humor for y'all this this, this evening. Uh, some of y'all will get that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But on September 11th, I was actually in between uh, homes. I was actually uh, living on a friend's couch, uh, living out of their coat closet. Um, so that's, that's where I was on September 11th. I was in, I was, I moved out of my apartment and my, the house that I live in today was, uh, not finished construction. So on September 11th, I was living out of a coat closet, sleeping on somebody's couch. 
and my wife was in another residence um, at the time. But where were you on September 11th? Where were you on September 11th? I know you remember. Don't act like you don't remember. Where oh, you my were. goodness. I was at work. I was sitting on a naval base and uh, seeing stuff scramble around. Like, what's going on? And then I hit, you know, then I hit that computer. And I said, man, something's going on. And then, then we cut on the TV. I mean, and I hit CNN. And they said, the plane has hit the first building. We cut on the TV. And then we start seeing things happen on the, in the hallway. And then the next plane hit. And it was just like total chaos. It was like people were trying to get themselves together and, and, and everything was going on. So we ended up having to be stationed there until somebody told us what to do. We couldn't go to the bathroom. We couldn't do nothing. We just had to stay. So we just cut the TV on and started watching. And then wow. uh, we still had to man the uh, actual systems all over because we were, you know, responsible for the financial system and the uh, for the naval yard, and um, so we would just call the folks. They were trying to figure out what was going on, if the system was all right, if we were going to leave, what was going to be the problem. So it was just chaos. And the next thing you know, you see Navy men with guns. I always was told, you know, they, they're they good on boats, but a regular Navy man that is not a SEAL or MP with a gun, you might want to be uh, cautious. <laughs> <laughs> Good words, good words. Anybody else like to share real quickly where were you on September 11th? Um, I was in California. I was stationed in California. And uh, I turned on my TV and I saw where the first plane had already hit and they were reporting on it. And my ex-wife at the time was asking me how could this happen. I was saying, you know, I know they don't come that close when they're coming into uh, LaGuardia or wherever. And uh, as I was putting on my right boot, I saw the sun shine through the cockpit of the second plane, and I could see the profile of the terrorist as he flew into the second building. So the second plane hit, threw on my finishation of my boot, drove into work, got to work. Everybody standing around the radio. White van came into the hangar and said, how many of y'all work F-16s? I raised my hand, of course. Got in the white van. We went, got the planes ready to shoot down civilian aircraft. So that's what I was doing September 11th. Wow. Good words, good words. And I want to tell y'all, and thanks for sharing, I want to tell y'all a little story about Mary. Um, Now, Mary was having a blast one fall day in September of 2001 when her husband Gary, his Staten Island firehouse, held its annual picnic. Kids ran wild while adults tossed back beers and danced to the the music. Gary's close friend John was there recruiting fellow firefighters to help Mary and Gary build their dream house, which was a cabin about two hours north of New York City. John thought that it would be great to get Rescue 5 up there, you know, to help build the cabin. Two days later, on September 11th, their world came crashing down. John and 10 other members of of the Rescue 5 Fire Company died in the collapse of the Twin Towers. New York's firemen, known as the city's bravest, even before the terrorist attacks, lost 343 of their colleagues at Ground Zero and have been known as national heroes ever since. 
Now, Gary was actually off-duty that morning, and he rushed to Ground Zero after the tower was filled. His wife, Mary, was grateful he survived, but she had no idea that their marriage would not. Following an old FDNY tradition of firefighters taking care of the families of fallen comrades, Gary served as liaison to John's widow, Madeline, and her three children. After the disaster, he began spending all his time with his best friend's widow. He managed her finances, took them shopping, and even dined with them on occasion. In fact, he spent almost all of his free time with them, leaving his own wife and two sons to cope on their own. When his wife Mary complained, he told her that he loved her and asked her to understand. He really felt the need to be there for Madeline. But the firehouse started to buzz with rumors of an affair. Then, in April of 2002, Gary finally confessed. He told his wife that they were more than just friends, and that was pretty much the beginning of the end of their marriage. So, fellas, what do y'all think about this story? You got Mary and Gary, John fell. John was uh, died in the terrorist attacks, and uh, Gary scoops in on his lady. What, what do y'all think about this? I don't think he he his first thought was to swoop in. I think it was more guilt ridden, you know, which normally happens when a Conrad, you know, goes down and you weren't there. You you know you feel guilty. You survive. And uh, she became more needy, and, you know, he got hung up. Mm-hmm. Good words, good words. Anybody else? Any thoughts on this story? Do y'all think That's it's just a tough one? Yeah. Go ahead, P-Town. I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm thinking that the emotions hit. They were both crying, and and... And I think we talked about this before, and those those emotions turned into uh, a reaction. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we got to get it off our mind. We're both feeling something. It's not like it was passionate sex. It was sympathy sex, mm. if that makes sense. Sympathy mm-hmm. sex. It does. It does. Now, do y'all think that this was just an isolated case? Just a, a, a one-time, you know, one one incident in the firehouse? I don't think so. Okay. Anybody like to agree or disagree? What are you saying as far as uh, other firefighters with their their um, other, uh, their, their members' uh, wives? Mm-hmm. Yep, the widows. Yep, is this an isolated case? I, I wouldn't think it was. It would be. Um, they shared. They shared a loss together. His wife, you know, she wasn't included. But um, it probably is. You know, just like everything else, it, it it's probably was more even among the police. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. actually, you know. Y'all are exactly right, because according to a top FDNY official, as many as 12 firefighters left their wives for women who are among the 200-plus widows of the firefighters killed in the terrorist attacks. Wow. So, yeah. 
So this is not just a, you know, Mary and Gary and John. It's just, you know, it's 12 times over. Um, but do y'all think that it's wise to allow untrained firefighters to serve as de facto counselors in this situation? Do y'all think that's a wise move? No, it's not. And I hope they corrected that. Yeah, Rudy Sanfilippo of the Uniform Firefighters Association said this, and I quote. Somebody got a dog. Um, Rudy Sanfilippo said this, and I quote. We all knew that this was going to happen. You take firemen who aren't even trained to counsel over a normal line of duty death, add the fact that a 9-11 situation was 10 times harder, and it's a formula for disaster. But former New York City Fire Commissioner Thomas Von Edson, who headed the Department of 9-11, defends the practice. He said firefighters who stepped up to help were picking up kids from ball games and helping with renovations and repairs around the house. They weren't sitting around drinking wine with the widows. What do y'all think about that, fellas? They were just picking up the kids, you know, just doing what their father did, doing little odd, odds and ends around the house. For the first month. <laughs> and that's a shoe-in. That's a shoe-in? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to emotions again. Now, I mean, you're thinking you're helping because you, you feel sorry that you weren't there with them, mm-hmm. that you want to do more, and, you, and and but you don't know that it's building up feelings for this person. And at the same time, you have this lady who's looking at you like, wow, here's this man helping me, trying to get through this thing, through my pain. And she's feeling, the, she, she's emotionally seeing you as as a husband. Because now you're stepping in doing what he did. Hmm. So it's a big deal with these men serving as the surrogate fathers to the dead firemen's children. That's a problem. It's a problem. Hmm. Anybody else? Yeah, professional counselors had actually warned the department that they might see residual psychological effects in the ranks after 9-11. And among them was what's called compassion fatigue, when caregivers experience a secondary post-traumatic stress that can wreak havoc in relationships. Jack Poe, the chaplain of the Oklahoma City Police Department and a Baptist minister who worked with the Oklahoma City bombing survivors, said this, and I quote, As rescuers, we give ourselves. Sometimes we give ourselves away. It almost cost me my marriage. When you put one person with another person of the opposite sex and they spend that much time together, there's no way there's not going to be some bonding, end quote. But why is it such a big deal if the connection is only emotional? Why is that such a big deal? Because that's the first social uh, tie, you know. Um, I'm sure they had a lot to talk about, cry about. They had something in common. When you have something in common with somebody, it it draws you quicker and closer. 
quickly, you, you know, you, you'll you'll be hung up in it. Um, ew, that that's that's just bad all the way around. Um, but it, I, I I'm sure it just wasn't uh, uh, the, the firefighters and, and uh, the police. I'm sure it was even people who got out the towers, who <clears throat> people they worked with, feel like you have to be responsible for for their uh, families. But can emotional intimacy be just as devastating as a sexual relationship? Yeah, because it'll lead to it one one way or the other. Hmm. Yeah, and that's what, I mean, that's what people do. They rescue people, you know, and one psychiatrist said they see these vulnerable women and see that they lost their husband and they step into that role. As uh, P-Town said, they they get a shoe in. And then it it activates all of their own rescue fantasies. But Gary refuses to blame his troubles at home on the events of 9-11. He told a local newspaper that he was just in a marriage that wasn't working. He and Mary, he and Mary had met in 1982 at a restaurant where she was waitressing. They married in 1990, and they have two sons. They separated once in 2000 when Gary went into a tailspin after being diagnosed with melanoma, but now he's cancer-free. But Mary said at the time they made a pact that divorce was not an option during the the cancer spell. And Gary also made a pact with his friend John that should anything happen to one of them, the other would take care of the surviving family. Any thoughts on that, fellas? Well, he didn't mean take care of them. <laughs> now, go around and make sure the family all right, but he didn't mean take care of them. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, you know, make sure she, she's, you know, loose. Come on, man. Uh-huh. Come on, come on, man. Come on, man. Oh, oh, oh. There he is. I don't like none of that, man, what y'all talk about, man. That's crudball stuff, y'all. Hey, look, it's crudball stuff. However you look at it, it's just Mm. bad. You know what I'm saying? You tell me, if I tell you if something happened to me, take care of my family. That don't mean go and start plugging my wife. (laughs) My point. Listen, listen, listen. If you take that route, that tells me that you are what you had something for all the time. Uh-oh. That's it. Mm. You see what I'm saying? You don't just see the damsel in, in distress and say, okay, now it's my time to get in. You always wanted to get in. Mm. Wow. Well, that's, I mean, the time, you... that's the time where you refrain from those 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 emotions, man. You say, no, I can't do that. Let me just do what I told the man I was going to do and just help the family. Bring over some bread and sugar. <laughs> man, well, you know how how yeah, many times does that work though? How many times have you known that to work where you start off and you say, I can't do this, I can't do this and she keeps pushing a little bit more and touching a little bit more and you say, I can't do this. That's my man. Next thing yeah, you know. But, yeah, but the point that I'm trying to make is that now in real life, real talk, you don't even have to be dead for that to happen. Mm. Talk about it. That was just made it more convenient. That's all that did. But that thing was already in the making mentally in somebody's mind anyway. Mm. 
when you talk about bringing over the the, the, the loaf of bread and the sugar. Yeah, and stay in a while. Well, you know what's yeah. on TV? Can I can I stay a little while? Yeah, he he brought the you need loaf. Need a hug? Man. Yeah, he brought the loaf and gave us some sugar. You want me? To, you need me to stop by Redbox and pick up a couple movies? What you want? <laughs> but let me uh, ask y'all this. Let me ask y'all this. Do y'all think that the nine eleven widows could have coped without help from their husbands' former colleagues? Without y'all that think kind they of directly, yes, directly, yeah. but. As as a group, they should have had someone come in cancel, maybe a firefighter not in that company. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, possibly what he should have did was taken his wife with him when he was making these rescue uh, deliveries. Yeah, but they got two kids of their own. You know, we can't be taking the whole family. Somebody got to watch the kids. You know. Uh, uh. <laughs> but one widow, one widow said this, and um, she's she's a mother of uh, three small boys, and she said this, and I quote: "There were nights when I called the firehouse and cry, and they cried with me." Another widow said this: "There's a code. You don't mess with your brother's wife." Do y'all agree with that quote, that code, not to mess with your friend's wife? Yeah, yeah I agree with that. I mean, most. I mean, that's that's a known code. Now, people don't always follow it, but yeah, that's you a known. Don't even mess. You don't even mess with her when he breaks up with her. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just totally off limits. Yeah, even if you're still living, it's like you know. Hmm, that's a cold, man. That's why you don't let no man come to your house when you're not there. I don't care if it's your brother. I won't be in the house. <laughs> you think like I think. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of brothers think, think like, like that. You think like I think. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, I don't know anybody. You need to sit in the car, in the car, in the car. or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Ike. Yeah, I don't know any brothers that want some dudes there when he ain't there. I don't care if they fixing the house or some, you know, yeah. cutting the grass or whatever, man. Yo, what, you know, I got to be there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, true that. And Mary, Mary also said that her husband rushed to Ground Zero and basically never came home. She said that he was a nine eleven survivor, but their family died. Do y'all agree with Mary? He was a, a survivor, but the family died. Yeah, after that. I mean, pretty much. Pretty much. Survivors help. Because they got divorced, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can, can I throw a monkey wrench out there? Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Early, 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 but, early, early, but, you know, go ahead. Early, but think? I think that, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> we're all men on the phone. Most of us yeah. married. We're not. We have a significant other. Yep. If you have the opportunity to write in your will and choose a person that would take over your role as husband or to take care of your wife in those in that way, would you name a man? Is there a man that you could possibly name? It's going to be blank. <laughs> is it going to be blank? It's going to be blank. It's going to be blank. That page is going to get torn out. 
it's going to be blank, right? I mean, can we get a consensus on that? Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. It's going to be blank. So how would that ever be acceptable? I mean, if, you, uh, if you're if a firefighter or a police officer, whatever the case may be, and you know yourself that there, you, there's, it's going to be blank, how do you roll up in there and try to take over that position? Mm. Wow. Mm. That's crazy. That is mm-hmm. crazy. And another, another sperm wife named Susan denounced her husband for walking out on her and their four children to be with one of these widows. And she said, there are many heroes of 9-11, but my husband is not one of them. He's a coward. Uh, Was she right? No. No, that's just, that's just <laughs> She's not right? No. That's, that's not taking it to the limit. You know. I don't man. think he's a coward. Any man that went down there and went up in there, I don't care what you say. Now, if he went down there and sat across the street and watched it, now, I agree with that. But if he was doing something, no, that's just her being scorned. Wait, that's her being scorned. But um, what people, I guess, are now just starting to realize is the after effect of not only the folks of just the 9-11 tragedy, but, but – how it affected people's lives, you know. Some of these guys are really sick after that. Because their families were outside of their homes, especially when you're talking about firemen and police officers who's on the job 12 to 24 hours a day. Their family becomes their outside family, that, that, that group, where their real family Take the back seat. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't been in the military, but sometimes that not happened in the military too because you're so much on on, on leave. That, yeah, it happens all the time. Uh, as soon as uh, a unit deploys, I mean, the, the club on base is filled with, with wives. You know, and everybody knows. Friend of mine was messing with a guy. He go out on the on the ship, and you know, out there they out there for <laughs> sixty days. Right. He's laying up with his with his girl. You know? And just be out on, on what Rodney is saying. Just because you might not put a name in the blank, don't mean your wife may not have a name in the blank already. Oh, hmm. <laughs> wow! Now you get somewhere. Man, y'all starting early tonight. Well, so you, you can have a blank all you want. Trust me. When you go, you 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 ain't. It don't even matter. It, it, it it's something like this. It's like okay, a woman who's sick will maybe say to her friend, you know, you take care of my husband, blah blah blah, right? An average man's not gonna say that. Yet he knows if if she's gonna be with somebody. He don't want to know that, you know. I mean, it's reality, but he he wouldn't want to pick, you know. I I think he, I think in, even in that respect with the woman, they are still not electing a girlfriend to handle their husband in that way. They're not putting a name in. They're not putting a name in. The name is blank. Well, you know I, mean? I have. I have uh, something about that. Um, my girl's uh, um, children's aunt, 
Her girlfriend died of cancer. She's now married to her husband. They got married roughly a year or so after. Yeah, about a year after uh, the girlfriend died. You know, so I, I I don't know inside if she's told her to be with my husband, blah, 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 or she just took it upon herself, but I don't know. Couldn't do like stuff I said, like that. it was already in the works. Already mm-hmm. in the works. So do, do y'all think that, that, that this is also, I mean, I think that we got some consensus that, you know, it, it's kind of disgusting, you know, what these men have done. I mean, not only have they dishonored their families, but have they also dishonored the memories of the men who are heroes, who are also their brothers? I mean, is that possible? Yeah, because I'm sure there are a lot of other ones that are still living that um, are bothered by it. Yeah, one widow said the loss of her husband is like an open wound. And she told a local newspaper that there's not a day that goes by that I don't feel a knot in my stomach. And she said, I wonder, should I wear black the rest of my life? Um, but now we know, we know, we know, we all know that, that both parties are partly to blame here. But who bears the bulk of the responsibility for these shenanigans, the firefighters or the widows? The men. Yeah, the firefighters. Yeah. Yeah, the men. Yeah, you know better. I always come. You know better. The woman, you can say she's not able to make a good decision because she's had a traumatic experience. But the men, you have that bond of brotherhood, and you should know better. Mm, should know better. good words. Words, yeah. I Especially when that. you're dealing with a weaker vessel, you should know better. That's I like taking candy from a baby, man. I disagree. Okay. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. And the only reason I disagree is because, you know, depending on, I mean, obviously I don't know, Rodney may have already thrown out how long these people were married, but depending on how long they were married, I mean, the wife, you know, she's gotten used to being held at night. She's gotten used to having a warm body beside her. And, you know, I understand she's mourning the loss or however, but there's still a part of her that misses that. Sure. Yeah, you but know, if she knows that man is married to a, probably somebody she know and hang out with, because you know those type of families try to stay close together. She she's now intervening in his marriage. Yeah, go to the club, go to Walmart, go to Fridays, go somewhere else and find another man. Yeah, because now that woman is gonna have to get used to sleeping by herself. Yeah. Mm. What's that song? Alicia Keys got sleeping with a broken heart. I mean, you can't, I mean, and I get that, and I know that, you know, there's some brokenness going on and some loneliness, but still in all, it's causing more damage because now two families are in uproar. Mmm, wow. And you know they don't see each other. Might be on on the man, then. Might be a point. (laughs) (laughs) Might be on the man. man. Yeah, because, I mean, that's a good point, um, T-Hawk, about how, yeah, one family, and, and yes, every the, you know both families were affected by by the by the tragedy, you know, right there, you know, close up on it. But you literally have 
one you know one guy that's leaving his family and going to i mean that you're right i mean that's messing up two families right two there two families two families you got one wife whose husband wasn't even in the tragedy but now she's feeling the same same effect as the other one is well, not the mm-hmm. same, but she's feeling some adverse, you know, feelings as well because now her husband is gone too. Yeah, and Mary, you know, she also questions how she's supposed to go on, and Brother, she's I'm actually, she's actually lobbying the the FDNY for a new rule that forces mandatory mandatory post trauma counseling for the firefighters. But I mean, really, fellas, can can some new rule or regulation? really give Mary what she wants. I mean, she basically wants her life back, as it was, you know, before. I mean, can you blame her? And, I mean, she wants her life back, but still the firemen should have uh, some some type of dealing with uh, traumatic events. I mean, so she may not never get her life back, but she's trying to keep that from ever happening to another group of people. I mean, one only only one husband died, but yet both women lost a husband. Mm. So that's 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 something that could be helped with some type of training or in some evaluation. But then it it, it comes back to the same saying. You you know you can't you can't make make rules on somebody's morality. That's right. Yeah, that's like true. We we just talked about the code and all of y'all know the code. And you know, it didn't have we didn't have to go into no in depth discussion about the code. You don't plug your man's wife. Period. Yeah. Under no circumstances. Living yep. or dead. Yeah, that's the code. That's the code right there. Well fellas, I'm gonna have to burst your bubble. Now, this tradition of caring for the families of dead colleagues has been an unwritten rule in the fire department for at least 100 years, but it is not officially sanctioned. What do you all think about that? That this little thing that they do, taking care of the widows, is just like a it's a a camaraderie, but it's it's not officially sanctioned. Go ahead. You know what it is. It, it basically, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're going to say, you can say. I know what you're um, going to say. <laughs> you, you know, it creates the chance. Know, um, basically, it's like, okay, fine. You know, you, you take my woman, you take care of her, whatever. Um, it just sounds, if you said 100 years ago, they didn't yeah. even know how to fight a fire hundred years ago. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> so um, uh, back then, wives really didn't have much value anyway. And and I've known, I know a lot of firefighters, and I know a lot of police, and they've been a lot of partners, male, female. I don't know male, male, but I know male, female. That. Um, their marriages, both their marriages, was destroyed because they were somewhere around um, getting it on. Mm-hmm. Who's ever got that dog? Put your phone on mute. Um, yeah, good words. Um, and, and while the the FDNY won't comment on the firefighters' relationships, a spokesman pointed out that since nine eleven, 
the department has expanded its staff of licensed counselors and psychologists from 12 to more than 300. And the spokesman said this, we have been very proactive in developing solutions and encouraging our employees and their families to seek help. Part of the counseling was the topic of surviving firefighters not neglecting their own family. All they had to do was give them householdstress.com. It would have been good. But, check. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But I, but I want to switch gears here um, just a bit. Still on marriage 911. But some couples don't even want to get married on September 11th. Many couples literally avoid the day. But does the decision to get married on September 11th, does that sound reasonable to you? If a couple was to say, we get married on September 11th, is that reasonable to you or unreasonable? It's reasonable to me. Why so? Because I got married on September 11th. You did? Wow. <laughs> really? Are wow. you serious? Yeah. September 11th, what year, brother? 04. Mm. Why did you pick September 11th? I didn't. I asked my wife to marry me. She said, well, how about September 11th? I said, okay. I wasn't going back and asked her to pick another day because I might have lost it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's as simple as that. So, she picked a date, I went with it. So so basically that's what happens anyway. She's gonna pick the date. She just show, show up. up. Mm. Wow. That's good. So you still don't know to this day why she picked September eleventh? Nah, I don't I don't know why she picked September eleventh. It wasn't she did, I can guarantee you just know my wife it was nothing significant. Mm. It was just probably uh, September was a, uh, you know, we met in January. Um, we went on a, maybe two, three dates, I think, the whole time. We I proposed to her in in May, but we had been talking about it since like March, and so she she picked a date that was feasible for her, and you know, just pushing it out to like September it wasn't going to be another year, but maybe September was a, a you know more logical time and that's what she picked and it happened to be a Saturday, maybe uh, I guess the second Saturday probably in September. And um so we just went with it. It wasn't it wasn't because of September eleventh or the events of September eleventh. When when did she tell you of the date? Because I heard that depending on the venue that you want, they actually set the date. When did she tell me of the date? Um, pretty much when we decided we were going to get married, which wasn't the same time, obviously, that I proposed. So he said, hey, you know, and we talked about getting married. She said, okay. Okay, so the next logical question is when. Mm-hmm. And uh, she and I don't remember exactly, but she probably, we probably said something, she probably did more so than me, said um, September. Now, I probably said, fine, what, what weekend works in September? Looked at the calendar, and she chose the second weekend. Yeah. I'm just going to be honest. Go ahead. I just don't understand how that date could be picked without, there, there was no discussion at all. By you, wife, it, it was just just a date, and that was it. Well, but if you look at it, 
if you look at it, it's not relevant. How many people got married on the on, on Valentine's Day and what happened in Chicago? You know, uh, the day the first shuttle blew up. Yeah, yeah I, I, I understand that, but uh, you know, it just it just. I, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I, I apologize. You know, I, you big so out there. Brother, what did someone your... else say to you? I mean, did did anyone was, was it the scuttle of the same questions? Why? You know, like did someone tell you, "Well, we're going to be home mowing that day"? Or exactly, I don't. I, yeah, I don't get where should September eleventh be a holy day that there's no marriages or anything that takes place? I'm not understanding. The, I understand what took place. I understand it's a song. No, no, not saying holy. History, how is it off oh, no, no, to I'm, not, I'm not hung up like that. I mean, you, you know, it's not me, but a lot of people mm-hmm. could have been. You know. Can I help y'all? I'm, I'm going to help y'all. And I'm going I'm to I'm help the brother who got married on September 11th and, and, and walk through this because it – I'm just amazed that we actually have somebody that, 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 yeah, this is, wow. But I'm going to help you all because before it was September 11th, it was James and Kim's anniversary of their first official date. The day was September 11th, 1998, long before that day became one synonymous with tragedy. They've been together for 12 years, and they decided to honor that day by getting married on September 11th. September 11th has always been their anniversary, and they didn't want to change that. What do y'all think about that? You know, they were dating first official date, September 11th, 1998, way before the tragedy on 2001. What do do y'all think about James and Kim? That's irrelevant. I don't understand. I mean, that's fine. They they met before September 11th. <laughs> that this brother on the phone here. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna circle back over. Trust me, we're gonna circle back around. You know, because there are some reasons why, and we, we're gonna circle back around. So hold that thought. But, Wait a minute. Well, we gotta go say ahead. something, man. Go ahead. Happy anniversary, man. You on the call. Yeah, you know what? Oh, yeah, happy yeah. anniversary. Wow. Man. How do we miss that? Yeah, and why are you on the call? You, why? Yeah, that's number one. Why ain't you out right now? Somebody <laughs> document this thing right now that we got a man on his anniversary on the call. That's all I want to know. You see how mm. dedicated I am? He's, he he's must be celebrating the weekend. He must be celebrating I'm, the weekend. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually uh, my job, I'm in Massachusetts, so I'm out of town. Uh, my job has me out of town. So, uh, yeah, we did celebrate last weekend. By the way, okay. but uh, yeah, I talked to my wife a little earlier. She went to bed. My wife's not a, not a night person, so she's she's already in the bed. So man, well, I talked to her before I got with you guys. Trust me. Because I know my congratulations, congratulations, man. congratulations. My anniversary be on Saturday. My wife ain't gonna let me call in. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I did? <laughs> I can tell you this much. If I was home, I wouldn't be calling in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, y'all know how I did on my anniversary in July. Exactly. You know, I was in here, you know, on mute, you know, like, you know, don't tell, don't say my name. You know, I'm on here and I can't say nothing, you know, but <laughs> thank you for the dedication, brother, on your anniversary. Good good catch, P-Town. But, you know, back to back to this whole sep- getting married on September 11th, I'm, I'm going to 
take y'all down this this path here. Um, does seeing that date in print on a card or on a wedding invitation just bring back bad memories? I mean, can that date cast too much of a dark shadow on your big day? Not me personally. I don't see. It casts, it casts a bad shadow for me. Okay. I don't see where anything can cast a shadow on my birthday, our anniversary, or my children's birth, uh, uh, the day they were born. I'm going to celebrate all of those irregardless of what happens on that particular day. Understand, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to belittle maybe what happened in this particular case on September 11th at the World Trade Center and all the uh, individuals who lost their lives and how the country was changed forever. I, I get all of that. I got that. But at the same time, I plan on doing some celebrating on that day, too. And to be honest, that's every day of my life. I'm going to find something to celebrate. Mm, that's good words. So you're saying there, there's no avoiding the memory of 9-11, but the exchange of marriage vows can possibly outshine it? Sure, sure, sure. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't support a wedding or go to a wedding drink and act a fool. (laughs) I'm in favor of that. But if I looked on the invitation and I saw September 11th, it's like, you know, my mind would just go, you know, wow. You know, why why that day? Yeah. I mean, because you remember it, brother. I mean, they they came in with the white van and said, who can fly the F-16s? You know, I mean, you remember that vividly, just like it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you like, you gonna get married on September 11th? What are you, you, know, what are you, what are you thinking here? No, it's you not. What are you thinking? It's not. It's not. It's not that. You know, but it's like, you know, I don't know. It's like, I just want to know why. You know, it's, I don't. I don't understand that. It doesn't have the same meaning for every individual. For him, it means. Well, obviously, he got married on that day. That's mm-hmm. that's his meaning. That negative that we're thinking about is now positive for him. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, we may be unsure about it, but for him, it was a great day because that's the first time he proposed, and she said yes, and this is the date. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, well, i got to take it now. We've only been dating a little bit of time, and she said, actually said, yes, she's going to marry me, so I'm going to go with whatever. You know, and she didn't have an agenda. She didn't have any preconceived notions about the dates. It's like, hey, this is the date that's available. I already called in advance. This is the date that's available because everybody else is afraid to get married on September 11th. This is the date that's available. I'm going to go with it. And that could have been her dream date, too. That could have been her dream date, too, because a woman and, have a dream date. Uh, that didn't have a, that, no, that wasn't her dream date. <laughs> she was just like the second Saturday in September. That makes perfect sense, whoever just explained that. <laughs> but listen, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I, I, you know, I can sit here and celebrate a man's death at the same time, I mean, because, I mean, even though there's a tragedy that happened on September 11th, Osama bin Laden was killed on my birthday. Oh, I was this? getting ready. I was getting ready. <laughs> That's nothing to be said about, right? <laughs> But I mean, but, but I mean, it has Millen. A man was killed on my birthday, even though he was a, he evil, was a evil character. Man. He killed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody a, died on my birthday. 
I'm going to free you up. I'm going to free you up. <laughs> somebody died on every one of your birthdays. I don't know. Somebody died on every one of your birthdays. I mean, but if you look at it that way, I'm just saying, as as they get married on 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 September 11th, yeah, it's a remembrance for a lot of people. But, you know, tragedies happen every single day. Right. You know, a car or or somebody getting shot or... Or you just had, you know, your, your mother had a heart attack on that day. It can be significant for anybody. It can be traumatizing for anybody. But right. So here's here's the here's the million dollar question. Really is okay. So why not that day? What, I mean, right. what what did you do, or what are you going to do? Or let's just take today, for instance, uh, since it is happening to be September 11th. That uh, what is it that you did today that was so significant that you couldn't have a marriage on today? Mm. You yeah, went to work. You, you, you went ate, to work. You came home. Yeah. Right. You didn't do anything that would stop you from having a wedding or or anything else uh, from today, right? Yeah, yeah. We didn't, you, you didn't you didn't go to the to the site and kneel down and pray for the last sixteen hours. Yep. And, I, and I go out I go out on a limb and say that it's been so long that today was just essentially Tuesday, September eleventh for some people. Hey, well, you look, know, look. The, the, especially if you weren't you know close to the events and yeah you remember but yeah. I mean it's not like you say the the sentimental like no you went to work. You had your lunch, you came home, and you did your routine. And it's on the TV and on the radio and everything, but you just kind of moved on with your day. Go ahead, T.O. Could, could in some strange situation a person have reason to celebrate today in reference to September 11th? Is that possible? Yeah, they celebrate right? every, every year. No. Well, no, not even from like a marriage standpoint. You got people celebrating for the fact that you had survivors. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, well, okay. Well, let me tell you my story. I got a story. I got a September 11th story. It's pretty significant. Um, my mom worked in the World Trade Center. Oh. Yeah. And on September 11th, she was going to work. And her train, because she takes the subway, her train was rerouted. Don't know how it happened. Train was rerouted, and it was pushed like she was coming from uptown going downtown. And the train was rerouted, and they took the people and put them on another train or something and took them back uptown. So she wasn't in the World Trade Center on that day. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So for me, I can, you know, this is the day that she could have died, but she didn't. Right. Right. Not take, taking anything away from the people that did die, right. but the fact that I still have life, I can celebrate life from that day. You know, again, so, so I mean, it, we all have different meanings for September 11th. Yeah, what a good word, Seahawks. What about, what about incorporating both both events into one, you know, remembrance of nine eleven and the wedding. What about that? Uh, now, why on earth would you do that? Uh, that's not like look, look. That's not like pouring out a little whiskey for the homies that ain't here no more. Man. No, but, but uh, you know, one couple. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. One couple planned to have the chaplain say a few words about nine eleven. 
during the wedding ceremony. And they were planning to fly American flags, you know, in, in remembrance. And they also decided to include a little moment of silence. Okay, so they used their wedding to show that September 11th was, and they linked their wedding to September 11th specifically, the event. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Whatever. I mean, if that's what they want to do, I mean, (laughs) I think some of Bin Laden, we get married. I mean, what what the situation comes down to is it's been a handful of, of incidents that caused the country to mourn. Some people are ashamed to do something because they they're afraid of what the nation would feel like, you know. Um, yeah, and and what you're talking about is that, and and you're and you're you're exactly right. Some people have even been accused they accused these couples of being unpatriotic for celebrating on a date so firmly rooted in tragedy. Unpatriotic. Like the brother that got married, it's like that. They said, "Oh, brother, you unpatriotic." No, ain't nobody unpatriotic. They got married on September 11th. Yeah, but think. Okay, so the thing about this now, some people are saying, you know, I wouldn't do anything on September 11th. I wouldn't do this, and I'd be ashamed to do something on September 11th, whatever. But think about all the other things you should be ashamed of that you're doing on on September 12th. (laughs) (laughs) And September 10th. September 10th. <laughs> wow. You know, you know. And you get to tell me, I should be ashamed of marrying the person I love. I should be yeah. ashamed of that I on September 11th. But here you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's Rodney, Rodney. And they should be ashamed of getting ready to place judgment. They should be ashamed of September 10th to getting ready to place judgment on somebody on September 11th. I don't see getting married as being something unpatriotic. <laughs> You, I, you, I should be ashamed of marrying somebody I love on September 11th, but you're not ashamed of fooling around on the person you love on September 10th. Oh, oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Wow, you boys, wow, y'all started early tonight, y'all. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's only 10 o'clock, I mean, gosh, I mean, but, I mean, no. on the real, go ahead, go ahead. I said, I didn't know getting married meant that you was unpatriotic. I missed that part. I mean, that's what some critics were saying. You know, they're accusing some couples of... Uh, you Say know, that again, Rodney. That was who said that? Critics. critics. And you know, critics. So they're critical. Got it. Yeah, All right, exactly. on to the next point. Because we know that everyone, as somebody asked, everyone didn't approve of this decision, whether it was the brother on the phone or these other couples. And, you know, didn't, my question f- is, did they approve It's not approval? a fact of approving. Yeah. It's just the fact that, you know, me personally... If my question was, well, why would you get married on September 11th? Mm-hmm. And People maybe. brother explained it to me, and I put myself in his shoes, like, okay, well, if my wife had said, let's get married September 11th, I would have got married September 11th. Exactly. Right. So, where you going to be at September 11th? get married on September 11th. That's where I'm going to be at on September 11th. Where you going to be? <laughs> Where's your priority, right? <laughs> Right now, now me being me, I would ask why she picked that day, and she could have told me because of moon stars and quasars. I'm still getting married on September 11th. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, so if somebody hands you a check for five hundred dollars, right? Here's a check for five hundred dollars. Are you going to cash the check before you ask why you give me five hundred dollars, 
or you just not going to ask and say thank you for the $500. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of the most worst examples in the history. I know it was bad. Wasn't it? <laughs> I got some laughs out of it though. I did. Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah, that's good. That was good. That was good. But I mean, you, we talk about the critics, and and no, I mean, with, you don't need anybody's approval. If you want to get married, get on September 11th, get married. But someone who actually knew one of the couples. Um, wrote anonymous, uh, anonymously in their online wedding guest book, and they said, "They said this: you are choosing, you are you are wrong in choosing the date you have chosen. May all the bad luck be a, bestowed upon you for this." But now, is this a couple where the man had left his wife, his other wife, or the no, other? no, this yeah, we would switch gears off. Yeah, no, uh-uh. okay, they did, no, they didn't get married on September 11th. That would have been wild. Okay, <laughs> that would have been wild. Yeah, this is just another another couple. Yeah, yeah, James and Kim. Um, Someone wrote that anonymously. Let me tell you something. It's not even in poor taste. Not only is it not that, but it's not even in poor taste. Anytime you can take a negative and turn it into a positive, I thought that that was always a good thing. You don't mm-hmm. have to live in mourn just because. Talk about it. You don't just have to live in mourn. You got to move past it. Yeah. People die every day, man. People die. Now, I could understand, you know, if you have a child that passes away and you don't do anything with that room. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Or you say, well, we're not going to go out and party on this day because there's definitely no reason to party on this day. I get that. Right. You know, or if you have someone that died, that personally died, your husband or whatever, okay, on that date, that's your day to mourn. I get that. But if you didn't, you got to live your life. Yeah, and and the bottom line is, fellas, should we let terrorists affect and control our personal lives this way? No. Man. I mean, if if we get spooked by ooh September 11th, I mean, do the terrorists essentially win? They'll win it. They already won. They win every time I get fondled at the airport by the TSA. Mm-hmm. Hey, calm down there, Rodney. <laughs> I figured you'd like that. Um. Well, let me let me give you another example. Um, Lynn and James Bongiorno, they're using their wedding date to make a statement about the terrorist attacks. They said they're really excited about having a celebration of love on September 11th to help restore a sense of goodness to the world. Lynn said it's kind of a renewal to focus on all the love and happiness in the world. Now, Lynn worked at the Deutsche Bank, which was across the street from the World Trade Center when the buildings were struck, and she actually watched the towers burn and choked on the Trade Center smoke. Now, let me ask you all this. Is it just because, you know, people who were living and or working in and around New York City on that day the towers fell, that they had more of a, a geographic attachment to the event, you know, to avoid it? You know, just like the brother said, you know, he he wasn't in New York. You know, he got married on September 11th. But do y'all think that some of this is because people were living and or working in New York City, you know, when the towers fell, that they have more of a, you know, and again, like the brother said, that they're having ceremonies and, and, and reading of the names and everything. Do y'all think is, you know, people are, are kind of, you know, leery about the day because they're so close to it? I think we all hit everybody. 
I think it, it had that effect on everybody, those those people in New York as well as those around the world. Yeah. Yeah, good words, so though. When, when it, Go ahead. When it comes back to when it comes back to the point about marriage and uh and marrying on that day, I think, you know, you don't marry for a day. You know, we marry because we try to start another life. We marry for life. Mm, talk about it. Good words. Um, you know, that's that's a union that we start a new and it's almost like, you know, the way we react, our response is our is really our responsibility. So yep. if they chose to do something significant on that day, that's hey <laughs> that's their that, that's that's their responsibility. And mm-hmm. those around them should rejoice at we should rejoice at. Right. Yeah, good words. And according to statistics from uh the knot, that's a, a wedding planning website, um, the knot dot com. They say elsewhere in the U.S., more people are choosing to marry on September 11th. And the editor said they're seeing a lot of couples reclaiming the day as a happy event, just like the brother said. And going back to to Rodney's point, what about if September 11th was the most convenient date and worked best for logistical reasons, which is probably one of the reasons, right, Rodney? It's like, yeah, second Saturday in September. That that works for me. Yeah, the weather's good. Yeah. Nice fall wedding. That's right, probably right. Nothing stopped on that day. It was still births. It was still deaths. It was still burials. It was still everything going on. You know, yeah. focus there. I mean, if anybody want to really moan, moan about it, it's the, the month before mm-hmm. it happened. That's, that's what led up to it. Yeah, and I think somebody said earlier about how, you know, if your favorite venue is booked up, guess what? They got openings on September 11th. Mm-hmm. You know, because nobody <laughs> wants it. You know. <laughs> what about your favorite venue? Right. Ten grand cheaper. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and you're exactly right, brother. <laughs> Because they and and no that brother hit on I mean that's literally they are actually steep discounts driven by the lack of business on September 11th and these are like lifetime deals and and they they literally call it fellas the terrorism discount and wow. like the brother said one couple saved eleven thousand dollars by getting married on September 11th and without the discount. The bride said that she would have had to scale back her wedding plans. Cause that's eleven grand that she would have had to spend on September the the eighteenth, the next mm-hmm. Saturday. Or, How you know? Dead them. That's horrible, isn't it? <laughs> for, for economic reasons, you know. I'm glad you told me that, cause man, I think I'm gonna be shooting for nine eleven. It's You know, that's, you get that terrorism discount. But you, you say you're going to shoot for 9-11, brother. But what about the fact that some wedding planners and other wedding vendors might be uncomfortable with your idea of a 9-11 wedding? What about that? It's always going to be somebody uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, some vendors may think you're being blatantly disrespectful. Fire them and hire a new one. <laughs> exactly. And, and some of the, you know, again, most of the 
The New York City-based wedding planners, the vast majority said they're not, they weren't planning weddings on September 11th. You know, because, again, the geographic attachment to the event. Um, hmm. Speaking of capitalism and, uh, and the economy, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, did, did any of your research talk about people capitalizing on the, you know, tragedy, you know, selling T-shirts, selling flags, you know, any any anything about that in your research? You know they're um, doing it in New York right now. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I can see the street vendors now. All day getting it. Mm-hmm. T-shirts, uh, hats. Right, right, right. I mean, bandanas, you name it. I mean, you know, they're capital. I mean, somebody's capitalizing on it. That's right. You know, I think I think the country is just looking for uh, looking for guidance on how to feel about today, uh, because you can't really make it a holiday, right? Uh, because then you would give the te- the terrorists, you know, some type of notoriety. So it's, it's like people want some people want to reclaim it, some people want to always remember it, and then some people, you know, it eventually fades away. So it's like. You know how are we gonna how are we gonna go about doing this, or you know, are we just gonna keep going the way we're going, where it's you know, you, you everybody picks their own their own way of, of dealing with September 11th. So you know, it, it, it's kind of like we just you know we're looking for a, a consensus on how we're gonna just deal with the day. But it's such it's such a delicate issue that. No matter how I mean, no matter how you try, you're gonna you're gonna step on somebody's toe. Oh yeah, somebody gonna get hurt. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. oh, somebody's definitely gonna get hurt. Right, right. I mean, if you just say, okay, everybody, we're gonna take off. You know, there's no work. That's a, that's a holiday. Well, it's not a holiday. It's a day of observance, or something like that. Then you had other people saying, well, then the terrorists won. Right. Now they got us changing our daily routine. So should we make a holiday of the day that we got Bin Laden? Uh, you know what? <laughs> You know what? Definitely, it's P Town's birthday. <laughs> should be free liquor. I mean, that that day should be day of celebration, right there. <laughs> but I mean, you talk about that in good words, fellas. But you know, James and Kim, as we're talking about now, I mean, in the years following, you know, their their anniversary wasn't even really a joyous occasion. You know, because. Their first anniversary was, you know, they it was the, the 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 tragedy of honored victims, you know, with stories of loss. I mean, literally, they got married, you know. And see, that's that, exactly that's why I asked why I get married on that day. Yeah. And and they try, like you said, they try to reclaim it. They say, you know what, we still every every year you got to, you know. Yeah. It's gonna come up. It's not gonna go away. They're going to have yeah, vacation out of the country. Yeah, and they said they didn't even attempt. They didn't even attempt an anniversary celebration until their third anniversary. And even then it was subdued. That's ridiculous. Yeah, they're going to have to go out of the country to do that anniversary. They need, they need, uh, they need counseling. The only thing you, that you, I... If you're not, I, celebrate, you're not celebrating your anniversary, the union... That you two have established in, in the sight of God, and and I don't know if they've had kids, you know, what the plan was with kids, or if they bring them to bring a family together, or whatever. But if you're not gonna celebrate that, 
over, and, and again, I don't want to minimize or belittle 9-11 at all and the victims, and again, how that impacted our country and the world as a whole. But uh, if you're going to put your family aside, or you know, and that's establishing a family, what have you, because of something that happened 11 years ago, then, you know, that maybe you guys shouldn't be together. Maybe it's a sign right there that you guys don't need to be together. But uh, I, I just think that's, that says a lot about your commitment to to her, and vice versa. Well, you know, I I, I want I got a question to the brother that got married that's on the call on September 11th. Um, has 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 his anniversary? Have your anniversaries been every year? They've been good. This is the first year we've been apart from each other, but uh, you know, typically we'll we'll either go to you know maybe not far to a hotel or wherever because when we do have kids not at all grown but um last year we went out of town we went to puerto rico but uh you know anniversaries have been been good okay i mean we don't we don't we don't turn off the tv so we don't hear any news about what happened at the world trade centers or in shanksville or pentagon or anything like that to avoid any of that stuff to, to keep our relationship in our head, we can watch that and still enjoy each other. Mm. You know what I mean? Does that stop? Does does the September 11th stop any of us on the phone from having sex with our wives? Mm. Man, this guy, <laughs> this guy's going for it tonight. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. He is. I mean, because like, I mean that's a great question because I know yeah. some of you guys. You're not like, honey. It's September 11th. You know, let's. You know. Y'all not like that if she want to get it on. You're like, yeah. You know? Rodney, I'm, I can help you, man. I think everybody on the phone is giving their wives the business, man. No question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm serious. I mean, you know, it's, it's no half flags over here, brother. We're at full gun salute. And we're going. <laughs> I don't think I've ever turned down booty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, look, look at it like this. Okay, here's here's this, here's this beautiful woman, right? I'm, and I would imagine all of us consider our wives a beautiful woman, especially when we married her. That was a smooth disclaimer right there. There was. There was. I thought that was going to go over people's heads. <laughs> but, but here's this woman, right? And I don't know everyone's situation or whatever, but for, for the sake of the conversation, here's this woman who says, you know what? Well, I'm sold out for God. I'm not going to give, uh, we're not going to do anything until after we get married. Period. So she said the date is set for September 11th. Are you telling me you've been waiting for this thing for however long it's been, months or whatever that you guys have been together, and you've been waiting to hit it, and waiting to get together, not just to hit it. I don't want to make it sound cheap or whatever, but, you know, you love her. This is somebody you want to be with or whatever. And you're going to try to tell me, you know what, babe, we're going to push another couple of weeks or months. Mm. September 11th ain't going to work for me. I ain't going to be able to get it up on that day. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, that dog don't hurt. Yeah, no. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. I've been looking for this for months or whatever. I'm not saying that was my case, but here it is. And I know that night, me and you getting it on, I'm not going to be like, oh, you know what? Hold on. That's September 11th. I didn't think about that. We need to push this out. That's mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> but just to counter that, you do run the risk, just like the couple Rodney was talking about, Every year you run the risk of your anniversary 
being somehow overshadowed by the events that happened on September 11th. No, 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 no. My anniversary can never be overshadowed because it's only the two of us who are casting anything on it. Right. But you can't control how your wife, your wife's thought process. It may change when she gets older. You don't know that. Oh, well, see, now you, yeah, you, you kind of, you stretch it. Uh, you just like, <laughs> 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 you just like, you just like, you just like, just like, just like, just like, they talked about, <laughs> got married, and then later on, then all of a sudden, the whole September 11th thing became an issue. Yeah, I don't think it becomes an issue later, though. I think either it's an issue in the beginning, I don't think you grow into your sympathy towards September 11th. And it may not be growing into sympathy. It okay. It, it, it could be uh, a fr- it could be anything. I mean, who knows? Especially with women, man. I mean, they, they God knows they're crazy. But it could be it, it could be induced labor on September 11th. Mm. You could have a child born on September 11th. You could yeah. have a doctor say, "We need to pull this baby out right now." Nah, not right now. Not something little. Keep oh no, 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 no! A baby being born, no, that's that's totally different. But I said induced labor. Well, yeah, that's even different because that's that's a baby being born. Yeah, but the but the other piece is, is that you know you raised the same with the wedding anniversary. You know that child's birthday is on September 11th every year. Mm-hmm. Every year. Yeah, every that year. is a good point. Nah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to y'all. I got you. Yeah, you. Right. <laughs> Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. I know a lady that that happened to. You know, she had uh, twins on September 11, 2001. You know, went and, into and labor. I'm, Go ahead. And I mean, and I mean, other pieces that obviously, if you have kids, I mean, and their birthdays on that day, I mean, it depends on where you're at. I mean, I know, it's, you know, some places, it's, you know, this week is Disney on ice. I mean, are you are you not taking them or you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, it just would have been perfect if they would have killed us on September 11th. I think the only right. way September 11th could have impacted me um, personally uh, getting married was if it was 2001 and it happened. And I'm not even saying then, but I think if I had to speak hypothetically that it's happening that morning, I'm getting married, whatever, that afternoon or that morning or whatever, that's going to impact, I think, uh, the wedding. Forget about sure. the guests. For I'm, sure. not really, I'm not that concerned about the guests and stuff. At the end of the day, it's going to be me and my wife. Me and my wife got married. It was in between two hurricanes, and people didn't want to fly, one because of the hurricanes, two because of September 11th and the stigmas that it had on it. And and I said, you know what, fine. Some folks who did fly in or whatever, I said, you know what, we are willing to fly you back if you want to get out of here before the hurricane comes. Um, and it was more the hurricane at that point once you're there. But I said we're willing to fly you out. At the but at the end of the day, me and her, we're getting married. If ain't nobody else out here, we still getting married. Well, you know what? You, you brought up something key too because there wasn't a lot of flying going on in September 11th. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There anyway. was none. All mm-hmm. 3,300 flights were canceled. canceled. Yeah. So if you, had, yeah. if you had a destination, well, but again, if you had a destination wedding, you had to have been there already. Right. You would think, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, you are already on the gr- you already on the ground. Yeah, yeah. But I I'll make this quick statement, fellas. You know, you talk about the day. Now, it's September 11th, and we on this this show just like clockwork. <laughs> like I was, it was like I was yeah. gonna say earlier, 
Um, I can't watch any of the shows on it. I don't want to hear all the names. You know, I really, really am upset by it, but my life goes on. Yeah. One day they're going to put me in the ground and the world ain't going to stop. Plus, it says in the Bible, you're only supposed to mourn for 30 days. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, literally with, you know, tonight's show, it was no discussion, you know, amongst us about, you know, should we cancel it or should we, do you want to do it? Is it is it right? Right, T-Hawk? There was no discussion like that. No. In fact, in fact, it was the opposite. I called him in the middle of the day. I said, I'm going to do a show on 9-11. On 9-11. Yeah, I said, you know, it's not even my week. I said, you know what? told me he's taking my week. I said, I'm taking you. I'm doing a show on 9-11. We're going to talk about it. And I'm not even done yet. But literally, I said, we're going to talk about 9-11 on 9-11. We're going to start the show at 9-11. I mean, so it, it, it was no discussion about do we do we cancel the, the married men don't talk show in September? No. It, it's, life goes on. Life goes on. You know, but I, I want to go back to uh, the family members. And um, one, uh, uh, Kim, she she also had an uncle. Like uh, T-Hawk said, his mother worked at the Twin Towers. But Kim had an uncle that worked in the Twin Towers. But he was stuck in traffic on the bridge into New York City that day. And had he not been stuck in traffic, he might not be alive today. Now, her uncle lost a lot of friends on 9-11, and it's something that he still struggles with to this day. He said he ain't going to the wedding. He said he ain't going to the wedding. What do y'all think about that? I think that makes sense because for him, he was personally impacted. I think a lot of the, the, you know, what we're talking about is based around how it impacts you and the proximity to the location. I'll give you a good example. All you guys probably heard about the 35W bridge that collapsed back in 07 here in Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. You heard about it, but you I still remember. went on, you did things, and you still been living. It didn't impact you to the same level as it impacted me being in Minnesota, and I drive over the bridge every day. Wow. Mm. Right. But, but watching the, I mean, it, it's, I think it's based off of your proximity and whether or not you know somebody that was impacted, had a loved one, or uh, definitely had some type of personal feel or touch to it. It is, it, 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 I think that's all it is. I mean, because the honest truth is that I mean, nine eleven is just like any other day. I mean, we take a moment of silence for you know Pearl Harbor and do stuff for MLK, and we do stuff, JFK. I mean, but it's just like any other day, you know, and it's based off of how it impacts you and the proximity. And that's what, you know, as I'm sitting and I'm hearing what y'all are saying, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can look at it. But, I mean, life does keep going on, and there's no disrespect to anything. It's just that, you know what, hey, I mean, can we think about Hurricane Katrina? I mean, we think about how that impacted individuals. I'm not in New Orleans. You know, but, but my heart goes out to those in New Orleans, but on the day that it struck and it really disaster took effect and how long it impacted us for the time afterwards, I, I'm not in New Orleans. That's right. So, and I mean, about, I keep it. It's no disrespect. It's just that, hey, I mean, it's just like any other day for me. Now, and here then in they Minnesota, just had another hurricane that hit on the, almost darn near the exact same time. That's exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
And you I know, think a lot of it just factors into the proximity and where you personally impacted. Do you know somebody? Are there other things that go into it? And nobody's trying to be disrespectful. It's just like, I mean, somebody's grandmother could die on. I mean, I I got a colleague that will never never come to work on the first day of school, September 4th after Labor Day, because that's when her mama died. You think, I mean, the rest of us are there. There's no, there's no disrespect. It's not that we're not going, I mean, it's that's just, it impacted her. That's that day. But, but, but doesn't time heal all wounds? I hey, mean, Ronnie? Yeah, go ahead. Now, now you talked about our conversation earlier today about September 11th. Mm-hmm. Now, had my mom been in the World Trade Center, we may have had a different conversation today. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We may have said, "Hey, we got this show tonight." I don't know, man. Don't exactly. Know. Exactly. That's my point. And That's I think that's what we always talking about. There's no, yeah. oh, no holding back about whether or not we're doing the show or whatever. If you, one of you gentlemen had been impacted by, we probably wouldn't have had the show. Yeah. And that's the, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. But because you didn't have that personal impact or no one that's really close to you was really touched by it to that degree, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. A hundred deep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here, yeah. We are I deep guess. tonight. This is what, uh, three years running? Four. Four, Four years. Sorry. Four years running. And at some point in time in the 365s of the previous years, somebody died, someone someone that we loved or something. Was, I'm not saying they died then, but an anniversary of when that death happened or, or some tragic event happened to us, it came around four times. And I'll use Rodney as an example. He's never missed a call. And I'm sure T-Hawk, and I can probably say T-Town as well, but uh, Rodney's never missed a call. The only call he missed was what? Anniversary. His anniversary. He didn't even miss that call, to be honest. With you. <laughs> I didn't even yeah, miss that one. He was on. He had us in the ear. He had us in the ear. He was yeah. sneaking on the call. I had the Thank secret you. service earpiece in. What I mean. Right. Um, I mean, but you're right. Go ahead. So Somebody get that. There was a lot of, uh, I'm sure, uh, uh, tragic things that have happened to you through the years. That uh, so you didn't you didn't miss a call, and we we think about all kind of other things of Martin Luther King's birthday, right? Yeah. And again, I'm not going to belittle you know uh, anything, but does it have the same impact today as it did the the next year on uh, the anniversary of his death? Once it happened, right? Yeah. You know, it doesn't have the same impact uh, that it does in 2012. And, I, and, again, I am not in any way trying to belittle Martin Luther King's death. Um, but my point is, what the was saying, time heals all wounds. And then, again, you have to ask yourself, then how long does this actually take? And I know that can vary from individual to individual, but I can't allow society, let alone terrorists, I can't even allow my own family to dictate to me who I'm going to marry, when I'm going to marry them, and how long I should stay married to them or how I should be happy. You know what I mean? I can't let circumstances or individuals be involved in that. This is about me and my wife right now. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, my wife-to-be if we were going to be married on September 11th. It's not about my mama. I can tell you right now, my mama wasn't very thrilled about her, and that's only because she didn't know her. I didn't, you know, we really didn't go through a whole lot of introducing her to family members and me going to her family. We didn't really go through all of that. So, you know, I had some people who, who was upset about the fact that we were getting married. 
But did I let that deter me from getting married? No. Did I let a hurricane deter me from getting married? No. Did I let September 11th and the things surrounding that deter me from getting married? No. She said she wanted to get married. This was the day she selected. I'm all in. So, so do y'all think that the meaning of September 11th is evolving? I mean, does, I, does, I think does, like it. I think like any other holiday, sorry not to take up, you know, all the speaking, but I think like any other holiday, it does end up getting down, put, downplayed and, and watered down, I think is a better word I want to say. Uh, it, it does end up getting watered down and it loses its effect. Um, they start dressing it up, start doing certain things and putting on parades and different things like that, and it loses the effect behind it. And, yeah, so... Is September 11th evolving? Yeah, they're doing different things each year. And like I said, eventually there'll be a parade and eventually there'll be a float show and, you know, eventually they'll have all kind of different things. The Blue Angels will fly over. and You know, they'll have all kind of different things that'll that'll take place. And some stuff I'm sure is already taking place that I don't know about. Um, and, again, this is not me trying to minimize the – but I've, you look at history. You look at all the different holidays. You look at the deaths that we celebrate or, for instance, uh, somebody had brought up Valentine's Day, right? Does anybody even know what that still what that date means anymore? No. I mean, it's completely watered down, right? Completely. Mm-hmm. The Valentine's so, Day massacre, yeah. Yeah. So you know, yeah, I think I think yeah, it's evolved, and it's like any other holiday. It's not going to be any different. It'll eventually water down as it goes from generation to generation. And I mean, you're right. And as more and more years go by, people will keep celebrating, you know, which won't make September 11, 2001, go away. But, you know, hopefully the happiness in the future will eclipse, you know, some of the tragedy from the past, you know, in spite of what happened. Um, But do you all think with with such a tragedy and and so many lives lost on that fateful day, do do you think that people feel like they aren't allowed to be happy on 9-11? I think some people it's going to take some time for them to get still get that out of their head. Sure. Um, just based on the tragedy and how those people died and those not being able to say those last goodbyes. One thing about death and people is they they want to say goodbye for some reason, either through a funeral, seeing them the last time. That's why you have those wakes and you walk up and you can see them for the last time, or able to just. See them die peacefully, but when you you know when you have a family member, especially a wife, the only thing she's bearing is a body part, and she knows she talked to him that day and kissed him, and now she can't even uh, you know visually see him. I think that takes a bigger effect on a person because they don't have closure. Mm-hmm. If that makes yeah yeah. That that make you choke up. I almost choked up there. But yeah, if you don't have closure, I mean, for we're just human beings, so it affects us more when you don't have closure. Yeah, and I and I know one pastor, um, you know, talking about you know life goes on and everything. One pastor actually attended a vigil, you know, marking the anniversary of the attacks in the morning, and then performed a wedding that same afternoon. You know because. You know, time marches on. Um, But do y'all think that time itself seems to be cleaved in half 
And what I mean by that is before 9-11 and after. I'm not sure I follow your question. Almost like a, a, a B.C. and oh. an A, you know, an A.D. You know, it, when we, we were talking about today, we're we're in the after 9-11, you know, as, as I talked about earlier, the last hour, being fondled at the TSA when I go to the airport. But do y'all think that time, as we sit here tonight, do y'all think that time it was it's almost, in some respects, cleaved in half from September 11, 2001, like that was a marker, like before and after? You know, again, equivalent to B.C. and A.D. Mm. Kind of a difficult question. I don't, I don't know if time is necessarily uh, cleaved, but I think uh, I think our outlook is definitely different, especially if you're if you're flying. Uh, there's a heightened awareness. I mean, I, I think that'll always exist for us. You know, people who live through that, so. So we've changed, um, but I don't know that outside of certain things related to national security or, you know, things related to the whole terrorist-type events, I don't know that anything else has really changed. In closing this this segment up, uh, James and Kim, as a result of the events in 2001, James and Kim developed a little tradition. And instead of focusing on only 9-11, they tried to make 11 their number two. So whenever whenever it's the 11th of any month or when it reads 11-11 on the clock, they look each other in the eye and smile and sometimes a little kiss as a momentary reminder that they're still together after all these years. So they try to take the number 11, they just try to own it and just deflect all that mourning and terrorism and all that stuff. And they say, you know what, that's my baby over there. You know, I'm going to give her a little kiss, you know, 11-11 on the clock, 11th day of the month like today, and I'm going to just hold her tight. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. But the last couple I'm going to talk about before we move on, um, Another couple actually chose to wed on September 11, 2011, the 10th anniversary of 9-11. So now they're celebrating one year, and everyone says to them, wow, I can't believe you've been married a year. But can you believe it's been 10 years since 9-11? There's always a but. You know, forget about them celebrating. I mean, it's... It's always a but. And one wedding planner said, you know, that the 10th anniversary is a special case and that down the road there won't be quite so much attention paid to it, just like today, the 11th anniversary. It's kind of like an odd number. I mean, they're still celebrating, of course, but it's not like year 10. Um, But because of this, they plan to celebrate their anniversary on March the 18th which was the day that they were legally wed at the at the courthouse, not the day of the ceremony. Now, I don't know why they got married in March and didn't have an actual wedding until September. Yes, they were getting that terrorism discount, um, you know, with the ceremony. But, I mean, literally. They got married, married in Las Vegas, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I want to switch gears one 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 more time. I got I got one more gear after this too. Does anybody remember the story of Pat Tillman? Does anybody remember the story of Pat Tillman? Yeah, yeah he was the uh, football player who Arizona went. Cardinals. Yeah. Yep, and went over to uh, serve his country. Exactly. And um, it was a firefight, and um, you know the America tried to portray him as a hero. However, come to find out, it was the friendly fire hit because if they were shooting back and forth, that that hit him and not the actual enemy's bullet. Exactly, exactly. And let me let me fill in the gaps for those who don't know Pat Tillman. Pat Tillman was an NFL player who left football, left the NFL, and enlisted in the U.S. Army in June of 2002 in the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks. After completing the remaining games of the 2011 season after the attacks, Pat turned down a $3.6 million contract over three years from the Arizona Cardinals to enlist in the Army. And in 2011, his salary was 512000 a year. He served several tours in combat before he died in the mountains of Afghanistan. And as P-Town just said, the Army first reported that he was killed by enemy fire. However, his death was later ruled by the Pentagon as a result of friendly fire. Now, both Pat and his brother Kevin enlisted in 2002. Now, his brother Kevin gave up a career in Major League Baseball as he had already signed with the Cleveland Indians. In September 2002, they completed basic training together. Fellas, what do y'all think about Pat and Kevin Tillman? What do y'all think about these cats? Honorable men. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you give up. If you can give up you know, what most would consider uh, a great lifestyle. To defend the freedom of the, uh, of people that you don't even know, you know, defending my freedom or your freedom or what have you, and you'd give up all of that. Cause, I mean, that's, you know, I know they ain't 11 yet, but, you know, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says about an individual. You know, there ain't no greater love than you're going to lay down your life for your brother, right? <laughs> There is no greater love than that. So, you know, I, I have mad love for someone like Pat or whoever, all these other uh, servicemen and women who have, maybe you didn't have to die, but you, the fact that you served, every time I see them in the airports or anywhere else in a uniform and stuff, I, just, I have to let them know how much I appreciate that. Because I don't yes, know sir. if I can do it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And also in 2002, Pat also married his high school Sweetheart Marie, and and this year, 2012, Pat's wife released a book entitled "The Letter: My Journey Through Love, Loss, and Life," and this is an excerpt from her book. Under a stack of old receipts and cards, I found a letter that Pat had put there just in case. He had written it hurriedly during an earlier deployment in Iraq in a moment when he had thought he might not come home. It was a goodbye letter that had remained stashed in a pile, but we both always knew it was there. The page was a mess of ink and scribbles of words and sentences crossed out. 
Rather than throw the letter away, he saved it. I could see his mind wrestling, and it wasn't some perfect piece of prose. Among the scribblings stood these words. Through the years, I've asked a great deal of you. Therefore, it shouldn't surprise you that I have another favor to ask. I ask that you live. I ask that you live? How could he ask this? I wondered. I don't want to live. I want to die. I can't do it without you. You know that. You're the strong one, not me. He knew what he was doing when he wrote these words. He knew that my instinct would be to give up, that sometimes I needed a gentle or not-so-gentle push. He had challenged and pushed me over the course of our relationship, seen strength in me when I sometimes didn't see it myself. I both cursed and thanked him, and in the end, he won. And I sat, as I sat soaked in tears, I gave him this last request. I promised to live. I knew it would be the most difficult thing I would ever agree to do. What are your thoughts on this, fellas? This is Pat Tillman's widow. Told her, you know, I, I ask that you live. Because he, in the line of fire, possibility might not come home. What do, what do, what do y'all think about this? Any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think that's actually, uh, you know, really good. I mean, I I actually took um, a couple grief counseling classes um, along, you know, the lines of the the, the passing of my parents. And um, a lot of the folks in there who lost spouses were really crippled by the fact that um, certain things that they wanted to do in life, um, they didn't feel as if they would be honoring that person um, by moving forward and doing these things. And so for him to almost give her that um, validation, that, you know, um, you know, uh, authority to go ahead and live her life, I, mean, I think that's really important. And it's not going to stop the hurt and the pain and, and all that, but it, it just helps a person to continue to take a step forward. So, I mean, I think that uh, is actually very good and, and, and probably was very helpful to her. Good words, good words. But let me ask y'all this: if you if you told your wife, the lady in your in your life, that you were giving up a multi million dollar contract to serve your country, what do you think she would say? Would she have supported you like Marie did? Crickets. <laughs> I think it just depends on on the wife and knowing your mate. Knowing your, knowing the person that you had that bond and that union with, and obviously when he sat down and told her that she knew what his heart was like, she knew the type of person his heart was, and that his life was not his own. So when, she, when he probably told her that, she already she already had the connection with him. Uh, and know that's what type of person he is. But you know, I think you know different different strokes for different folks. You know, depending on what what, you, what else you got going on and. You know, otherwise it has not have been that sympathetic and it's that uh, you know, go ahead and do that. Yeah. That's good words. That's good words. Um Yeah, and guess sixteen said it's 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 not about the money. Um wanna sit switch gears one more time, fellas. This is good chat here, but the events of September eleventh had an effect on a lot of people. A lot of couples I personally know, those that were on the fence about their relationship, 
They either got married right away or they split up for good. Suddenly, there were no longer any gray areas in relationships after September 11th. You either wanted to be with this person for the rest of your life or you didn't. What do y'all think about this, fellas? After September 11th, couples like, you know what? Let's get married. Or you know what? Let's break up. What, what do y'all think about that? Yeah, I think that's real because at the time, you know, we didn't know what was next, you know. You know, and it's like you feel vulnerable. You're like, dang, anything can happen at any time. So let's not waste time. If, if this place, if this is not going anywhere, let's just be done with it. Or if we serious, we love each other, let's just let's just make it official because it was such an air of uncertainty after those, those events. So I think that's kind of that, that's a real real feeling that people would have. Mhm. Yeah, and 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 on the flip side of that, and we were talking about people who were were not married. These are people that were in, they were just dating, courting. You know, they either decided after September 11th to get married or to break it up. But on the flip side of that, even more couples actually got divorced right after 9/11. Now, now, they made the commitment. Why do y'all think this happened after 9-11? Why do y'all think people say, you know what, I'm getting divorced? Now, that's different than breaking up with your girlfriend or boyfriend, I think. But why Why do you think after 9-11 people were like, oh, you know what, I need to, I'm looking in the yellow pages for the divorce, divorce lawyer? Why do y'all think that happened? I guess they always wanted to do it anyway. Nine eleven didn't have anything to do with it. They just exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And let me tell y'all a quick story because I know it's getting late. Let me tell y'all a quick story of Mrs. Harrington. Like many unhappily married couples in their mid thirties in New York City, Mrs. Harrington had been pondering the question of whether or not she should get divorced for years before finally making the decision to leave. While it seemed pretty clear to her and to their marriage counselor that their differences were irreconcilable, she never had the strength or the courage to actually leave. She realized that she had been waiting for many, many years for, quote, things to get better with her husband. She was full of fear and self-doubt. Plus, her husband would often tell her that she would never make it out on her own and that no one would want her anyway. And part of her believed him. She said, I couldn't help but think of all the times where I wanted to leave my husband but decided to stay because of fear. I had many valid and invalid reasons for wanting to leave, but my reason for staying was stronger. I believed his claim that I would never make it on my own. So clearly she was stuck. So here's the question, fellas. Are people very good at denial, willing to tolerate a less than perfect present? because they believe or want to believe in a better or perfect future, thinking to themselves that one day my marriage will get better. Are people good at denial? Maybe you're in denial. I don't know. Thinking one day your marriage will get better. And Miss Harrington said no. After September 11th, <laughs> I need to make a decision. 
Who do y'all think? Do y'all think people in denial about their, they tolerate their miserable marriage, less than perfect marriage? Most definitely. I think denial is a part of a lot of it. I think denial that people are going to change to the way that they were when you were dating. I think denial, like I said, is a, is a huge part of it. But let me ask you this, T-Hall. If, if a person is so willing to tolerate dysfunction, what role does that individual play in it? So willing to tolerate what function? The function dysfunction of the relationship. Oh, dis- what role does that person play in tolerating it? What role does that individual play in, in putting up with it? Do they have a role? I think so. I mean, that's a role. They're putting up with it. Definitely got a role. Got a major role. Yeah, they're a contributor. Well, I'll put it to you like this: Which is worse, fellas? Which is worse? To be unhappy in a relationship, or to be unhappy alone? Which is worse? To be unhappy in a relationship or to be unhappy alone? Happy in a relationship. Unhappy in a relationship, y'all agree with that? Disagree with that? I'd rather depend on myself. I'd rather depend on myself for happiness than try to depend on somebody else. Hmm. You know, because because now you're dealing with the fact that you're consistently being let down. I mean, you can let yourself down, but if somebody else does it, I think it's even worse. And I think the misery of coming, coming, coming back to the 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 place of the incident, which is probably your house, consistently wanting for it to be better, and it's not. I think if no one is there, then at least you have a fighting chance to go out and try to find happiness without worrying about adultery or any of those other things. But if you're in a relationship and you're unhappy then you have to suck it up until one of you says, okay, it's time to call it quits. Or 9-11 happens, and then it gives somebody strength to walk away. Mm-hmm. And most people do choose the unhappy relationship because people are actually terrified of being alone. And the only thing we humans fear more than death is dying alone. And there's nothing lonelier than to feel alone in your marriage. And the only way, like you said, I mean, the only way to find answers could be to leave. And, you know, the attacks on September 11th, which we're talking about, we're getting close to shutdown time here. Um, It taught us that none of us are immune from dying alone ever. I mean, we could all die alone and within seconds. And we remember that day when we were attacked and everything seemed to stop. You know, the planes hit the towers and the Pentagon. People jumped to their deaths. Thousands burned. Thousands more were crushed as the towers collapsed. On the street, people screamed in terror, fleeing for their lives. But does anybody remember the now iconic picture of the falling man? Does anybody remember that picture of the falling man, the man that jumped and, and 
They took a picture of it. Yeah. Isn't yeah, you remember that T R? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the falling man, listen to this, was a picture taken by an Associated Press photographer of a man falling from the North Tower of the World Trade Center. The man was one of the people trapped on the upper floors of the skyscraper who he apparently either fell as they as he searched for safety or he jumped to escape the fire and the smoke. And at least two hundred people fell or jumped to their deaths that day. Mrs. Harrington said that this falling man affected her in such a way that it helped her make a decision to finally take action to change her life. She said that she wanted to know who she really was, and she concluded that she wouldn't be able to truly know herself if she remained locked in an unhealthy marriage with her husband. So she decided to finally divorce her husband. But do y'all think that it's weird that after 9-11 she felt that her duty to pursue her own happiness? Do y'all think that's weird? I mean, usually it would be the opposite effect. I know when, when I got home, well, I didn't even see my wife. Like I said, I said at the beginning, I wasn't, I was staying, I was living in somebody's coat closet sleeping on that couch. And my wife was at a co-worker's house. So... We weren't even living together at the time, so I couldn't come home and hug and kiss my wife. Um, and I worked in I worked in Arlington at that time, so you know she was called. The phone lines were down. Y'all remember that? But mm-hmm. I mean, do y'all think that it's weird that after nine eleven she's like, I'm gonna pursue my own happiness? Does that does that is that weird or is that reasonable, to y'all? What do y'all think about that? I don't think it's weird. I think, uh, you know, sometimes it's tragic events like that that um, that um, makes life real for some people. Uh, some people just go through the motions, go on to work, come home, watch some TV, get something to eat, go back to sleep and do it all over again. Um, and I think you, when you have some events like that, it, you know, just like going to, a, in some cases, for some of us, going to, a funeral uh, for a loved one or whatever that we knew, that we grew up with or went to school with or whatever the case is, and saying, you know what, this life is really fragile. I need to enjoy every moment. So sometimes this is a wake-up call for some people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, do y'all think that leaving her husband right after 9-11 was possibly the greatest act of love she could offer? <laughs> It's 11 o'clock, fellas. It's 11 o'clock. I ain't even going to touch that. I'm going to let somebody else speak on that one. I'll, I'll ask it again because it's 11 o'clock. I'm getting close to shutdown time, fellas. I only got a few questions left. But this is where we dig deep. It's dangerous here. But was leaving her husband right after 9-11 possibly the greatest act of love that she could offer? Anybody want to take a stab at that? Well, I was away from the phone. What's the? I mean, what's what, what's the, the, the? I mean, just leaving or what caused her to leave? I, I don't understand leaving for love. Or... Oh, you missed the the, the whole setup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of lengthy. <laughs> oh, okay. That don't. don't... <laughs> well, let's somebody it was, listening. It was, take a stab. Uh, at it. Go ahead. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the greatest act of love. She should have she should have pulled closer to her husband, and closer to that union that they uh, 
they they decided to create when they decided they wanted to marry. And if it was things that, that um, along the way that, that she felt that you know she wouldn't get the most, wouldn't get the most out of that situation, they should have tried to turn it around because of that situation that happened on nine eleven. So so taking that that act of what happened and and saying hey we're gonna change what we started way back when we're gonna change it to, to so it's the, it's the best that it can be now and not, you know, disbanding each other now and, you know, going on our separate ways. If you could have t- took that act and changed it around. Thank yeah, you. but, what, you know, maybe they both needed to find themselves. Maybe they both needed to get to the root of their unhappiness, unearth it, set it free, so that they could each experience the true happiness they both deserved. What if, you know, cutting and running was the was the best option. So what you're saying is that's never the best. That's never the best option. And if and if it took that, like I said earlier, if it took that for her to come up with that decision, that's something that that was uh, you know that they were feeding on in that relationship a long time ago before 9/11. That's something that they continue to feed, and they should have you know at some point got counseling to stop that you know that festering and uh, and, and turn that situation around. Not you know the words. T.R., you would say something? So you're saying, um, and I think that you were probably getting at with the greatest act of love, that it was a bittersweet dose of medication. Um, mm-hmm. um, it, it gave her the power to move on which and then freed him to go out and find happiness. Is that the love that you're speaking of? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, they're both miserable, like the brother said. It was many years, they just going through the motions. But then September 11th hit, and Miss Harrington said, no more. I wow. kind of agree with the last caller, though, to be honest with you. Okay. I mean, because any times of tragedy like that, at some point you learn to count your blessings and say, and just realize that, you know, the evening of 9-11, there are going to be some people without their spouses. You know, and what are we arguing about? What are we fighting about? What are we not exhausting all the options available for us? What are we right. doing where we can't say, okay, let's fix this thing and appreciate that we still have one another physically? Mm. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Right. And, I, and, 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 and I think that that's what the other call was talking about. You know, th- now this is a time to get our house back in order because some other people don't have the choice. The choice was taken away from them this morning. Right. You see, so, you know, her copping out, saying, okay, now there's the strength. That really wasn't the strength. She got the wrong message from 9-11, I think. But I can mm. That's good words. Yeah, and and, and there's, there's really no happiness. Uh, or maybe it is happiness, maybe I should say joy, but whatever the case is, that that this world could really offer you. And, you know, I know that sounds religious, but I think I'm at the hour of religion anyway. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> but, Do your thing, brother. But, but uh, you know, there's nothing they're really going to offer you. The only joy, the only happiness you're ever really going to truly experience is going to be internal. So whether you're with someone or you're not with someone, if you're if you're unhappy uh, by yourself because you don't have someone, and you're unhappy because you do have someone, 
then it's obvious the problem is is you, right? Mm-hmm. You don't you don't find someone else to find happiness. You have to bring happiness to the table. Yeah. If you're not happy with who you are, what makes you think they're going to be happy with who you are? Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's so, essentially what yeah. Yes 22 just said. Just said <laughs> there <thank> it is. <laughs> Go ahead, 22. <laughs> <laughs> but, but let me ask you this, Brother Rodney. Now, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just way out there on a limb after 11, okay? <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to just warn you before I, before I ask you this, but or anybody else who wants to get in there. Um, how does Mrs. Harrington's fear about whether to leave her marriage compared to the fear that the victims face, especially the jumpers, who are forced to choose between being burned alive or leaping to their death? How, how does Miss Harrington's fear about whether to leave compare to that? No comparison. No comparison. No comparison. Absolutely. I agree. Look at the choice she's got versus the choice they had. Right. Mm. Not even close. Not even mm. close. But 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 listen, Miss Harrington says she spent weeks after the towers fell watching them fall over and over and over again on TV and in her dreams. So so what does that say about Mrs. Harrington? She probably replayed every argument her husband or her had over and over and Good over point. again. Really yeah, good. and, and, what and even, about her? yeah, but even worse than that, T. Hawk. Let me let me add to it. She spent those weeks alone because her husband, a TV news producer, made the decision to spend all of his time at his job rather than with her. And during this time, she realized, as the brother said earlier, that she was already alone. And as soon as her husband heard about the attacks, he left their apartment in Brooklyn and rushed to his office in Midtown. He left on Monday morning, and she didn't see him again for several lonely, agonizing, and traumatic days. And he's still a a TV news producer today. And she says that she doesn't condemn him for leaving her behind that week because she respects his work and understood his decision. But... She confessed that his choice affected hers. Because when we are alone in the midst of crisis, we're forced to really face our true selves. And that's fine, she said, because people make choices based on their priorities. Who had a crisis? She had a crisis? Yeah. What crisis did she have? The marriage crisis. What crisis did she have on 9-11? She didn't have one. She didn't have one. She had a self-inflicted crisis. She mm-hmm. chose to have a crisis. If I'm driving down the street and I'm in an accident, my car's total, right? Mm-hmm. I get pulled out, I wipe off my pants, and I'm good. I can walk. I had a crisis, but I'm through that crisis. I made it. Mm. See what I'm saying? She, but And then every day I'm afraid to drive, and then I don't want to get back in that, but I made it. Okay, she didn't have a crisis. That marriage situation was going on forever. What he exactly. had to do, what he had to do was his job. I had a household, I still got to go to work. I got to cover this story. You got to respect that she may have been selfish to the point where now she's getting amnesia. 
This is the <clears throat> single biggest story of our country, and that's his job. And you want him to stay home with you because you're having some kind of meltdown. Right. I, I agree. I agree with everything. I agree with everything. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then to, to add to that is, is the uh, – if he, he's, a, he's a producer. He does this for a living, and I'm sure he's captured other – uh, 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 mind-numbing stories and, and, and things uh, for the news or what have you, and he's been gone uh, overseas or mm-hmm. uh, other side of the country, whatever the case is, on numerous other occasions. It doesn't sound like to me, and who knows, she she hasn't even communicated how much that probably affects her. Yeah. And if so, she didn't hear and understand what he said back when he said probably what Teok said, and said, hey, I'm a journalist. I'm a producer. This is what I do. And and she didn't hear it because she was probably, she could have been very much being selfish and in in denial and didn't want to hear everything he had to say because it wasn't it wasn't what she wanted. Yeah. Spoiled. Mm. That's what word. it sounds like to me, right? Yeah. I mean that that's great words. And and, and after nine eleven an email began circulating that was attributed to a man by the name of Neil Walsh. And it included this quote, fellas. The time has come for us to demonstrate at the highest level our most extraordinary thoughts about who we really are. I mean, Miss Harrington took that and she did what she did. Final lap, fellas. Get you all out of here. Most churches have premarital classes for engaged couples, marriage classes for couples, and divorce recovery type classes for those whose marriages have failed. But few churches, few churches provide reconciliation classes for couples and individuals whose marriages are in crisis, especially when one spouse has basically checked out. Now, why do y'all think that is? Why do y'all think churches have premarital, they got marriage classes, divorce recovery, but they don't have reconciliation classes for marriages who are in crisis? Why do y'all think that is? I always thought that they did have those. Not all would that churches. Be like under, I mean, would that be something that falls under as uh, just, uh, I guess, uh, what would be called marriage counseling? Is that what, kind of what you would, uh, how you would say that? Yeah, I mean, pretty much, but most churches, I know our church just got a marriage ministry in recent years. So, well, even, so I think what the brother what the brother might be saying is uh, marriage counseling is saying with the pastor, pastoral counseling, but you're saying, you're suggesting, why isn't there a ministry kind of uh, taking on that initiative and reaching more than just one couple at a time? Exactly. Teaching, okay. And more of the, because I mean, I think that that churches do well with the premarital. You know, we have a marriage class at my church for couples. Um, divorce, you know, after the effect, the recovery after the divorce. But in the midst of it, in the midst of the crisis, when one spouse has basically checked out, I don't think the churches do as great a job as they do with the premarital, the marriage. The divorce recovery. That's what that's that's what I'm saying. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, can I address that? Go ahead, bro. Go um, ahead. Um, 
and I think the reason of that is because when it gets to that point, see, a lot of people, when they go to church, they have this face. Their mascara, their makeup, they look good. It's a good presentation. We're healthy. We're happy. You're not going to know what's going on behind closed doors. We're not going to give you that information. We're just not going to. Okay, premarital. marriage. Premarital, that's premarital, okay, the fire hasn't started yet. So once you get to that point where you're in turmoil, the pastor may never know. The church members may never know that one person has physically checked out. I mean, you would have to actually come to church together and sit in separate rows for them to really understand that something's wrong. Because if you're showing up like clockwork every week with the same face, nobody will ever know. I think a lot of them uh, would go to church, still put aside their differences on a Sunday service. I mean, I'm not a you know, church-going person, mind me, but maybe perhaps to save face in the eyes of uh, you know their peers or their friends that they don't want them to know that you know their marriage is in shambles. You know, <laughs> exactly. The gossip factor, you know, oh, you know, Joe and Jane are going to marriage counseling. Oh, did you hear about them? They're going to counseling on Thursday afternoons with the preacher, you know. <laughs> That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Nobody it's wants to do this out there like that. Mm-hmm. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a symbol of failure. I think, I think it's some of us. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, I think I more that to a lot of the churches, as you just said, you know, they, they, they teach you how to get married, what you need to do, court your wife to get her, but don't teach you how um uh, teach you what you should do in that marriage and keep that marriage. The main thing that marriage because marriage is an ongoing thing, you know. Right. You change, they change, and, and to continue to cultivate that relationship as you change through this walk, through this life, that's what needs to be more ingrained in churches. So it needs to be more retreats, more marriage uh, things that uh, in the in the in between time, as you you know growing season season being seasoned together, and as you mature in Christ together as well. So, but um, we should talk more about that because uh, Married Me for Life we are doing some some things with multiple churches that we can we can do do some of those things for you guys. Yeah, yeah that's and, good and, and 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 simply when when I got married we met with the pastor, the founding pastor of the church, and we talked to him for three hours. Um, And what that did was that gave us the green light. Um, And he said, I want to meet with you all again. I don't know when we're going to meet, but I want to meet with you all again. So when I felt as though we needed to see somebody, I had no issues in calling him back up and saying, okay, we need to meet again. You know, and then it wasn't a premarital; it was an actual marriage counseling session. But we had already laid the groundwork down, so we were comfortable with going back to him. You know, I mean, he was kind of like the 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 he didn't marry us, but he was our mentor, so to speak. So you know, it was comfortable. A lot of people go to the church and they'll get married, but they won't get the guidance up front. They won't get the safeguard up front. And that's what I had was like a safeguard. I can go back to him and say, okay, I'm having some issues, and I need you to interject, just like you did before we got married. You see what I'm saying? And and I think that that's the beginning of the marriage. I think when you're trying to do it after you're married, 
and it was just a date, and now you're married and, and you're going through issues, you don't have a place to go. And then you don't want to go to the church because you don't want to be embarrassed because you haven't set up any kind of safeguard. Mm-hmm. You got to set up a safeguard. If you're going to get married, you got to say, okay, you know, if we have problems, how are we going to get help? Not to the point where we our problems kill us because we're too embarrassed to talk about our problems with anyone. Yeah, and, and let me ask, let me ask every one of y'all this question. Each one of y'all on here tonight, I want to ask you a question. Do you personally know someone whose marriage is currently in crisis? And you can just blink if the answer is yes. <laughs> but you all, you all know. You know we're on now. the phone, right? You know I know you're on the phone. That's why I said that. I'm trying to wake y'all up. I'm closing this thing down here. Um, but listen, listen. Now, y'all know, I know, you know. But if you had to put together a first aid kit for that couple that you know, what would you put in it that could potentially help their marriage get through this crisis? Oh, good question. Let me ask it again. Some of you missed it. Some of you falling asleep. Oh, I know. No, it's late. Go I ahead, brother. Guess you know. got it. I think guess the word of God. I mean, that that Bible is is it's all in there. You know, I don't know why. It's, it's God's a love church. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's all in there. I mean, sometimes we just don't follow it, and sometimes we just need it to be broke down in a way. And we understand it. So, um, as Twenty Two just mentioned, uh, you know, sometimes it, it helps us having that accountable accountability partner. Mm-hmm. And you can have mm-hmm. an accountability partner. There's some, you know, your show. This show is an accountability mechanism. Man, show. That's talking like this right here. Speak, man. Speak. On this call. Mm-hmm. As an accountability wow. partner. So <laughs> wow. And this is your first you, time, man. ain't it, brother? First time. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And look. And look. I want to echo that. I want to echo that because the accountability couple, the accountability partner is key because if you're in your first marriage and you're doing everything that you believe is correct, you are going to fail. At some point you have to ask a question, hey, am I doing the right thing? You know, hey, did I say the right thing? Hey, am I treating him or her the the right way? What was your experience? You've got to have somebody that's going to hold you accountable and they have to have the, the, the best intent for your marriage. Not the ones that's gonna say, nah, let's just go, you know, to the club. You ain't got the yeah, you ain't got to stay in that relationship. Somebody that is fighting for your marriage that will hold you accountable to this union. Mm-hmm. That's good words. And let let me tell you all a final story of Greg and Julie Alexander. Now, their story is about a marriage that seemed perfectly fine to outsiders, but the couple grew more and more distance to each other over time. They each had affairs, and they found themselves on the verge of divorce. They actually wrote a book entitled, get this, Marriage 911. One chapter in the book is titled, Making a Ton of Money. During a period in their relationship, each of them were extremely busy career-wise, and they shortchanged their marriage. They didn't know each other anymore because they were they were just too busy. But aren't we guilty of this too? Are we too busy for marriage and family sometimes? Are we even aware that in some respects we, we subtly define marriage 
and family is unimportant. Aren't we guilty? Mm. Sure, Tom. Mm. Mm. It's human nature. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, in my marriage, there was a point where I, I reached the stage where I didn't even want to talk to her anymore. What's the point? Oh. And I mean, maybe you've been there, maybe you have. But I was, I've been there. I don't, I don't even want to talk to her anymore. Because it's it's not fruitful. It's a waste of my time. But we made it through. Y'all know that. Because I'm on here with y'all every Tuesday. But mm-hmm. looking back, looking back, I want to take y'all back. Getting close to shutdown time. We're getting close here. Looking back during the earlier years of your marriage, did you truly realize what marriage was meant to be? I mean, and what I mean by that is that do couples look at marriage the wrong way, thinking like, you know, what is this marriage going to do for me? What is my spouse doing for me right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, did did you look at your marriage like that? And and did you did you realize what marriage is meant to be? This thing called marriage, or did you have it all backwards? Mm. You learn as you go. <laughs> and I would say definitely. My second marriage was very well thought out and uh, methodically planned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first one was, uh, you know, it was impulsive, and uh, we were arguing about should we give marriage on our freaking wedding day. <laughs> wow. It was a marriage of convenience, really. That's really what it came down to. And five years later, it was just, it was it. And, uh, you know, I stepped back and, took a little break and said, really, you know, what do I want in a woman? What do I want in a marriage? You know, and I proceeded to go out and date a lot of people. And a lot of them had a lot of problems and a lot of others. And the one I went on a couple of dates with and almost skipped out and just completely forgot all about was the woman I almost I ended up marrying. <laughs> Here we are. Ten years later, 11 years on the 22nd year. <laughs> mm, praise God, brother. All right. Good, Good stuff. I think it all comes down to the reasons why you get married in the first place to if your marriage is going to last, you know, last a long haul or not. You know, a lot of it's she's knocked up, we got to get married, or it's just out of fear of loneliness, you know. <laughs> right. So, may I, can, I, can I ask you a question about that? Uh, so, you said you've been married twice. Do you think that you worked in writing, I'm sorry, takes you off the wrong No, marriage. go ahead. Do your thing, man. Do your thing. But, but, but brother, do you do you feel that maybe you, you did more, applied yourself a little more in the second relationship than you did in the first one? Or do you think it was equal? I think I, think I find myself applying and working a lot harder, doing a lot more. It was kind of a, you know, my first marriage is always kind of a case where, you know, she kind of wanted to wear the pants. It was like, you know, you don't help out. You don't do anything. Okay, well I step up and I do it, but you know I, I put you know I, I put the picture on the mantle on the left side. She says the picture needs to be put up on the mantle. She goes over, grabs the picture, puts it on the right side after I put it on the left. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. You finally get to a point. It's like, why even bother if you're just going to come right behind me and constantly fixing undermine everything I already do the first time? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't like the terms. <laughs> 
<laughs> gotcha, yeah. That never happens, though. That's good. I, I that's think good. I think what it boils down to. I think when it boils down to it, you, you need to make a choice. Is it, is, it, is it about convenience or is it about covenant? And when it's about covenant, it's immaterial where, the picture, where, where you want the picture at or where, you know, because when we own this goal called covenant, you're yeah. not going to let the picture derail us from the ultimate goal that's, that's, yeah. that's been, our, been on our lives. That's good. That's right. Yeah, that's covenant. That's uh, to derail the, the the end result there, and uh, but you know, it gave you time to step back and realize, wow, you know, what just? I mean, because you know, as well as I do, time flies. I mean, you look back and say, wow, I've been married five years, hey, twenty years. Next thing you know, it's fifty years, and you know, I look back and said, you know, wow, what just happened this last five years? Where did I go wrong? What was good? What was bad? You know, what didn't I like in this person? Why didn't this work? And why would the next one work for sure? You know, they say, you know. Every time you're married and divorced, the odds of your next marriage succeeding uh, decreases by like half or something like this nature. Wow. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because then uh, there's a mirror factor. Yeah, you know, the average marriage in the U.S. is uh, ends in divorce in the first five years, statistically. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, many of us have no idea that there's a divine plan for marriage. I mean, most of us just think of a marriage of, you know, it's all about me and what I what I want and need, you know. So, well, let, let me ask you this, and he, he talked about divorce, um, and again, fellas, this is, after 11, we go to dangerous territory, okay? Um, but do, do your children think that marriage is one of God's greatest inventions? Do your children think that marriage, this thing called marriage, is one of God's greatest inventions? I think one of mine does. I don't have one of kids. yours. <laughs> you don't have any kids? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got, <Yeah. laughs> I got, I got, I got four girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what do they think? Do they think that um, that marriage is one of God's greatest inventions, or no? Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I try to. My wife and I try to steal within them that uh, when, when two people come together for the, the, the right um, the right reason and with the right um, backgrounds, that the beautiful things God God will allow beautiful things to come from that. It's as, as they were. They were conceived from that. Um, so uh, we, we try to set the example, set the bar to let them know that, you know, um, that, that uh, it's, 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 it's his ultimate plan for us to be uh, combined with the right name and to, um, and to, and to live in the will of God. Well, well, let me ask you this, brother. With God's design for marriage clear in our minds, does that make marriage easy? It, it doesn't. I mean, because you know, we, we let flesh take over sometimes, and yeah. um, you know, and, and, and that's that'll get us every time. 
you know, when our flesh rises up and, and you know, it's it's like you know, I heard you just we just said a few minutes ago, you know, do I want to be right or do I want to keep my relationship? You know, that's what it boils down to. Sometimes we, we let our flesh take us into a place where we don't care about the relationship, but I just want to be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't make marriage easy. It makes it possible. You know, but true or false, fellas, as we get y'all out of here, we got one more question left. Uh, true or false, if God is at the center of your relationship, then your relationship with God has to be good before your relationship with each other can be good. I know it's late. I'm going to have to regurgitate that for y'all. True or false, if God is at the center of your relationship, then your relationship with God has to be good before your relationship with each other can be good. True or false? Mm-hmm. True. 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 Mm-hmm. And I'm this not is a man, but I would I would say uh, probably true. But like I say, I'm not a church-going guy, so. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's all right. You you in good company, brother. And uh, kind of, this is kind of a difficult question. Um, when God is not number one in a couple's marriage, are they kind of like making each other a God in some ways? When God is not number one, are they making each other a God? I know, Rodney, you got something on that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's here's the thing. Regardless of whether whether you say you have a God or you don't, you do. Mm-hmm. Now, what that is, I mean, it's easy enough to determine. Usually you can look at a checkbook or a calendar and determine what your God is. It's where you're spending your time, where you're spending your money is more or less where, where your God lies, right? And so, you know, I, yeah, I think if, if if God is not number one in it, then more than likely the, the the most likely person or, or the thing that that your God is gonna be that that spouse. Outside of that, I mean it could be a bunch of other things, you know, the, the money or car or whatever it is. But yeah, so I, I would have to agree with you. Yeah, they become something becomes the something something 'cause being God just simply means the, the thing that's taking up the majority of your time and your energy mm-hmm. or your thoughts are. And that individual more than likely fit that bill if God is not your number one. And to be honest, in a lot of church homes, that still can be where, you know, well, God's not your number one, God's your number two because that spouse is your number one. Yeah. And the bottom line line is that, you know, if we, I mean, if she fails you, which undoubtedly will happen, yeah. Then where are you supposed to turn if you made her kind of like a a, a god with a little g? Oh, you turn to the courts. Mm. That's exactly mm. where you turn. That's exactly where you turn. That's yeah. exactly where you turn. The thing I know for a fact is if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> happy wife. Happy life. That's what there we say is. all the time. You Hell has no fury. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 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 today, 
you know, just closing this up, you know, today the Alexanders speak of being more in love with each other than ever before. And Greg says this, and I quote, you really can't have hope regardless of what you're going through right now. So, I mean, they talk about he's got the happy wife, happy life now. But this is the final question, fellas. And then we'll get to the conclusion, then we'll flip it over to open mic. But this is the final question. What about your marriage? Now, some of y'all have been talking to for years, and, and, and I know that y'all have pretty good marriages, and the newcomers even sound like they're, have, they're pretty solid in their footing in their marriage. But here's the question, fellas, the final question of the evening. If I asked your wife, if there was a sudden crisis in your marriage, an emergency, are you 100% sure that instead of her girlfriend, instead of her mother, instead of another trusted relative or friend, that she will reach out to you for help? Are you 100% sure that you will be her first emergency responder? <laughs> Are you sure? Are you 100% sure? That's the final question for the evening. Are you 100% sure if there's an emergency, a crisis in your marriage, that she's going to, you'll be the first emergency responder that she reaches out to? That's a good one. Say that question again one more time. Are you 100% sure that instead of your wife's girlfriend, instead of your wife's mother, instead of your wife's relative or another trusted friend, that she will reach out to you for help in an emergency or crisis in your marriage? Definitely not 100%. Not 100%. You can't say that. If the problem is you, if the problem is the marriage itself, would she reach out to you first? Yeah, just the marriage in general. Yeah, I mean, would she... Would she bring it to you, or would she call her girlfriend or call her oh, mother? Oh, if it's you? If, if it's, it's you a marriage in general? Unless you marry somebody. But I think the brother was right, is that we can't be 100% sure. We can be 99.9% sure, but guess what? The right kind of crisis, something like September 11th, we weren't really prepared for. You know what I mean? Planes going into buildings, we weren't really prepared for that. We were, we, you know, we thought about all other kinds of terrorism and, and possible attacks, but we weren't ready for this one because it happened. And they were successful. So the right kind of crisis in your marriage, you you may not be the one that your wife reaches out to. And she should. She should there's be a lot of factors. But then on the other oh. way around, though, would you invite in your wife? How did oh, that be boy. Why is there having this question? <laughs> if, the wife, if the wives are on, 
the other conference call having this same exact question asked. Talk about it. Shut it down, brother. Shut it down. Yeah, shut it down, brother. That's what's up. Talk about it. Mm. That's good. That's good. Maybe the maybe the, the wives will say, ponder that, you know, this evening or, or tomorrow. Let's flip that waffle over. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. I personally believe, though, I personally believe that um, a husband and wife should never go outside of the two of them about something that concerns their relationship unless they agree on it. So if we're talking about another pastor and we talked about earlier about, you know, reaching out to a pastor as a counselor or another um, advisor, marriage advisor, unless there's something they both agree on, they should never, never do that because it, 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 it but, drives but, me. Uh, I was going to say that other, that other individual may start to think about that other mate. So that's why you, have, you never do that. And, and you have to make that clear up front. Right. I like my my brother's question, though. You know, if you flip the script on it, how many of us do we approach our wives about everything that we have a problem with or how many times on the golf course or um, uh, on the job or... Or on Tuesday or, nights. On Tuesday nights. <laughs> that we bring... That we... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that we might bring up things about our marriage or you know about our wives in particular that we haven't yet shared with her. Mm. I, I, got I, quiet. I think as, as men, yeah, too strong for them. As men, as men, we talk about we we probably go have that other. It goes back into that accountability partner. There's somebody that you know, you're not telling them details about your business, but you 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 just running something by them that uh so they can actually just reconfirm or confirm as a as a person of, that you trust uh of like minded thinking. Uh why you, there's nothing wrong with that. Why do you say as why did you start it out saying as men as if that's different? As if that's viable because they're men. One more time. I, 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 oh, I'm sorry. I was saying, why did you, when you started out, you said, well, you know, as men, as if saying that justifies us doing it versus the woman doing it. Yeah, I, 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 you're right. I mean, women have accountability. Other women that they uh, that they uh, would, would do that same. Yeah, you're right. I should have said it like that. Yeah. I mean, they probably have the same <laughs> but, but I, I, I say I say that in the sense that you you still don't put you don't you don't it's a it's a fine line you know what you what you what you will say and even in that conversation and uh, and there's nothing to discredit uh, the other mate but it's, it may be you know uh, <clears throat> I don't know um, you know. What y'all thinking about uh, for is uh, I don't know restructuring your mortgage on your house. I, I don't. I'm just using something mm-hmm. right. that's that's not really the crux of an issue in the relationship, but something that you know you're getting advice. And I think that's how we glean off uh, each other. And uh, I think that mm-hmm. that's the uh, that's something that uh, we, we should we should have. 
as as the husband and the wife. So, huh? Good words, good words. Anybody else? Uh, Anybody else? Time for the conclusion, y'all. It's late. I got a short conclusion. But this is your favorite part. And for one portion of it, I got to put you on mute. Because the, the, what I'm about to say is is, is really, I want to make sure y'all hear it. But I'm going to bring you back off of mute. But So don't go nowhere for when I put you on mute. But the conclusion. Dialing 911 from any telephone will link the caller to an emergency dispatch center, which can then send emergency responders to the caller's location in an emergency. The use of this number is for emergency circumstances only. And to use it for any other purpose, including non-emergency situations and prank calls, can be a crime. Now, this clip, fellas, is three minutes. The conclusion. Good morning. Have a good day. Hi, what's your number again, please? 